the most beautiful place in the world, where a Tar Heel blue sky blankets Murphy on its way to the Tennessee border. It's a long way from Raleigh and the Outer Banks, but we're living in Carolina too. In fact, you might call it Extreme Carolina. With more, here's Michael Borkman. Welcome, welcome everyone to Extreme Carolina, the show that focuses on great people with great stories who prove in their lives every day that anything is possible. We strive to bring you relatable life lessons from interesting and inspiring people as they live out their purpose on this earth. Folks, get ready. It's time for some good news you can use. Today, we have an interesting and a fantastically really sharp guy on with us. Uh, he is uh, His name is Tony uh, Tony. Chan, I think if I'm saying that correctly, uh, he was born in Kunming, China, and uh, and he now, well, he went to the University of Georgia and uh, graduated, majored in risk management and insurance, and he graduated with a friend of mine back in 2016. So, uh, and he's currently the uh, senior carrier sales account manager for a group, uh, Nolan Transportation Group. And we just want to say welcome to Extreme Carolina this morning, Tony. How you doing, Mike? And uh, it's not, you know, it's nice to be on the show this morning. Awesome. Thank you. It is our pleasure to have you on the show. And we're going to dive right into it and just uh, do a little bit of things. Now, I I, I saw in your bio that you were born in Kunming, China. And uh, so uh, you, uh, you and your family uh, immigrated here in the U.S. Uh, when you were very young. But what I'd like to ask is, how did your family come to live in the U.S.? Well, so what it is that uh, my parents um, had a divorce. Mm-hmm. So my mom got remarried. Okay. It was... I'm not sure about the exact details. Well, I think it's uh, just between the like agreement where like I will finish my secondary education in America. Okay. So like my mom got remarried and um, I think I moved to Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia back uh, in actually it was October 15th, 2006. I remember the exact date. Ah, okay. You remember the exact date? How old were you back then? Um, I actually had just turned 12. Uh-huh. Didn't speak a lick of English. <laughs> not a lick. That was nope, not a single word. <laughs> okay, so it's true then, because uh, our uh, mutual friend, uh, uh, shout out to Joe Joseph. Uh, he also said that it took you two months. Is that true to actually learn the English language and be able to communicate? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So well. So it's more of you. You're putting, you know, as as a person, you put into that situation where you couldn't ask to go to the restroom or for food or water. Uh-huh. You're putting that fight or flight situation. You're either gonna have to learn it mm-hmm. to survive, or you're not. Okay. So I think at that point, I realized, you know, I think that's a good experience. Luckily, at a young age, where it's easier to do this. Mm-hmm. What they do is that they send you to um, it's. It's more like a specialized school. You still go to school, like a public school, but once once right. you get there, you spend half your day. You go to a different, like the school bus takes you to a different building. Mm-hmm. You you just learn English. All English all day long. Well, half the day. 
Oh, half. Well, you stay there about two p.m. I think you come back for about like six or seven period, mm-hmm. and then you finish the day out. So uh, they call this English the second language school, ESOL school in Georgia. Right, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think um, I so I I I just decided, you know what, I need to get this done. I can't do this anymore. I'm a very outgoing person. It's very terrible not having friends. <laughs> very. I think, I think it's eight like. Seven and a half, eight weeks. I graduated from that school, and mm-hmm. did, and then got moved back into like the normal like classes with everyone else. Wow! Now in the school that you were in, you were like eleven, twelve years old, and couldn't even ask to go to the bathroom. I mean, no one understood you. Now let me ask you this: in doing that, how difficult was that adjustment for you? Well, I think um, the learning the language part, since it's a young age, that's not. I don't think that was the difficult part. It's more of the culture change. Mm. You know, a lot of expectations are, are different. You know, we might seem like now, like a lot of things we do in this country might seem weird. If we, you know, we go to a different country, different continent. Right. It's the same thing, vice versa. So I think that was the harder part to learn, essentially to get like cultured enough. Oh, okay, so that was the hard part. So, because you, you had you had grew, uh, you you was in China for a long time. I mean, eleven, twelve years—that's a long time, and that's all you knew. You never knew anything. You may have heard of America, but you had no idea the adjustment that you had to make. And I guess it was a shock when your mom said, "Hey, get your stuff ready. We we going across the big pond. We're going to America." Uh, how did you feel when when you found that out? It wasn't a I think I, they've always told me that was going to happen. So it's more of, um, so because at that time, my mom already lived in, like, lived in America. So oh, my, okay. my mom remarried uh, uh, a man from, like, from Waycross, Georgia. His, okay. his name is also Mike. He's my stepdad. Really uh, nice guy. Cool, guy. cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I think it's more of, like, everyone else n- knew this country as in, like, the Hollywood Mm-hmm. And one watch them, but that's not what it is. People no. don't live like people do not live like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's their normal life. Yeah. So that's what was it, that was the expectation. But as you know, as I moved here, you know, first day, don't really get to see much, and I start realizing that that Hollywood and a normal life that is complete opposite. TV. <laughs> yeah, TV life. It's doesn't to do with anything. <laughs> That's interesting, man, Tony. That is really, really interesting. So you were able to make it uh, through the early years and took you a couple of months and you learned it. And uh, so I'm thinking you're a pretty smart guy. So now you went on to graduate from high school and uh, you went to college. Now, did you always know you were going to go to University of Georgia or that one was the one who accepted you or you just got picked based on your, your grade, your GPA? Um, I got into um, multiple universities. You know, being Asian, I'm sure you've heard of the term Tiger Mom. I wouldn't say my mom's that intense, but, <laughs> I, you know, she did require me to, I think I applied for 12 universities. I got an 11 out of 12. <laughs> wow. I just happened to pick Georgia. So you graduated uh, from you. You majored in risk management and insurance. So that you didn't have one. You just had two majors. 
Oh no! So that that is just actually just one major that's part of the Terry Business School. Oh, okay. Um, risk management is just a major itself. It's called risk management. You know, every company has a risk management department. Right. They essentially for them just managing risk. Okay, which <laughs> you don't even actually do in your day job today. I, I do not. <laughs> and that you know that also something also put me in a lot of respect with the school systems at all. Right. It's not it's not right right now. Okay. We'll go to college, we'll spend two years learning general classes, you know, and then you go into your major classes. Right. Okay. But most of my friends, including me, won't do anything. That's not even related to what we study. Right. And you know, that's that's one thing in the uh, uh American I I don't know about the other parts of the world, but college here. We don't teach the things that's necessarily the things that we really gonna need when we get out of college or even in high school for that matter. I mean, like, uh, you probably didn't learn how to do a checkbook, uh, or you did, uh, from your mom, I guess. I mean, because they didn't surely didn't teach you that in school. Yeah. But I think, to be honest, I think I've written maybe 10 checks in my entire life. <laughs> you you car guy, huh? <laughs> Debbie. Uh-huh. And everything's online now. Yeah. Tar Heel basketball, Cam's Panthers, Asheville's eclectic nightlife, and the Great Smoky Mountains. It belongs to us, too, out here in extreme Carolina. Once again, here's Michael Borkman. Yeah, you're, you're a child of the... I guess the the twenty first century or I, millennials, one of those millennials. Yeah, about with the with the cell phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter, you know, she does that now. She she'd rather text than call, and uh, I think she gets upset when I say, "Hey, listen, you can text me to ask me if I'm ready to talk, but we're gonna talk, you know, on the phone." And she said, "Well, I'm busy. I got, I can text you." I'm like, "So what is it about millennials that they don't like to actually talk on the phone?" See. I am actually more of a phone guy. Oh, wow. I'm the opposite. Break that down. Okay. Um, well, that's probably also because mainly like the job I do, if I'm in sales, right. I believe you can't really make that human connection with emails or texts. Yes. Like, it, I feel like we're moving too close to technology now. If you take the human part of it, it's not going to work out nope. in 10, 20 years. Nah. Well, it won't work for me. I mean, I, I get people all tore up when I say, hey, uh, can you call me? And they say, well, you know, we can we can email, we can text. Yeah, we can. But when we going to talk on the phone, you know, or see each other over a cup of coffee? You're right. The human connection, if you take that out of it, it not only is it not fun, but you won't be able to understand the other person that you're communicating because you miss out on the, the sound, the voice, inflections, uh, body language, and things of that nature, because those say way more than the noise that's coming out of our mouth. And, uh, of course, you probably know all that. Uh, but uh, anyway, going back to your college, man, I just want to say before I get off of that, uh, kudos to you. Now, did you graduate with that four-point? One thing you oh no, no that that was more of uh, that that's more of like AP classes in high school that because you get a five instead of four in college I think graduate were like a three point two three point three okay nowhere near uh, let's just say Joe and I did a lot of 
or had a lot of fun in college. <laughs> I know Joe did. <laughs> he did a bunch. And, uh, yeah, Joe was the guy that helped me in the beginning. Uh, I, I told you that story when uh, we were sitting at a party at St. Paul, a uh, uh, mountain Marty party. And he walks up to me and sticks his, he sticks his, <laughs> his resume in my face. Say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a job. And we were at a sort of like a party. <laughs> I love the guts on that guy. I mean, he, he was amazing, but you know him. So he was your friend all through college. Um, yeah, yeah, sir. I will actually, um, we were in the same fraternity, so I knew him probably a one week into college. Wow. So you knew each other all through college. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's cool, man. Well, so so you got out, and uh, you end up working. Now, have you been with this transportation group uh, the whole time? You've been out of college, or did you have some other, like, gig? Um, so I, I had a short period of time where I worked uh, for State Farm. I just didn't really like it. And, um, you know, opportunities came. A couple of my friends from college already worked for um, Nolan. Mm -hmm. I ended up just moving over to Nolan and been working here since, it's been three, almost three years. Nice. Pretty much straight out of college. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you still are uh, trying to figure it all out. Uh, <laughs> if you hadn't figured it out. So the uh, so so tell me, the being from China, so you you still remember that quite a bit. How would you say the cultures differ? Or would you say, well, they're kind of the same. But tell me, you know, in your own words, that how do they differ? Um, I, I feel like the only thing, uh, I'm trying to like, how to word this, is where a lot of, so I guess in Asian cultures, there's more sense uh, of like group work. Mm -hmm. Every, like more of like, you depend on your family a lot more. If you see it, like, for example, like almost everyone I know in Asian cultures, the parents move in with them when they're like at, when they're about third in their thirties, you live with like your parents live with you. So you living with your parents. Really? That's just what you, yeah. It's just, it's a cultural thing, but you take like your, uh, your, your parents take care of you when you're young and you, you take care of them when they get old. Okay. That makes sense. I'm not saying, I'm not saying people like, you know, and the Western culture doesn't do that. Right. It just, it just, a, it's a different way. Right. You know, in America, it's more promoting like, so I, you know, it's it's all about you, it's what you can do as a person. Yes. Well. And then you better uh, the community. You know. Yeah. It's like you gotta have your own ideas. You push through everything. Mm -hmm. One, one, one of the different, really big differences that I guess people have a lot more of individual ideas here. Which is a great thing, you know. Sure. You know, always, always. Have, I don't think I will argue with an Asian professor in Asia. Right. But I will 100%, if I don't agree with, with any of my college yeah, professors, right. I, have no, I have no problem going to the office. Hour. Like, hey, I don't, I don't think this is right. Right. But you wouldn't dare do that in Asia or China. Well, I think it's more of just more of that difference. However, though, I haven't been back there in eight years, so I have no idea what it's like. <laughs> wow. So why haven't you been back? Uh, I think I haven't been back since college. I think I went back like maybe freshman year and sophomore time. It's freshman year. After that, just school got busy. And then, you know, right out of college, can't afford to take two, three weeks off. Yeah. The new job. That, that's not, that, that would be just, I personally think that doesn't look good at all. Right. 
Well, it takes that to make a visit. It would take at least two or three weeks to go there and yeah. see some folks and have fun, and then come back. It's a, at the end. It's three weeks that went by. Uh, I would. I mean, I would think. I personally think that a month is a good time. It's a sixteen-hour flight there yeah. and sixteen back. So now you just spend two days. Yeah, it's two days just flying, traveling, and two days jet lag <laughs> each way. At that point, you got about. One and a half days. Yeah, do something, and that's never enough time. No, it ain't no uh, quick getaway, no weekend, you know, nothing like that. I mean, not even a week. I mean, you, you're right; it would take at least two or three weeks. Uh, well, that's uh, well, that's interesting that you did that. Now that you've uh, been working, and of course, you know, I don't want to be real detailed, but your group, you guys are being that we're in this pandemic the way we are now in this time. You guys are really doing some amazing things to help keep the food flowing back and forth. Is that right? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I mean, that's the one thing, like, you know, I've always said truck drivers keep this country running. Yes, they do. They don't get enough appreciation. Like, I, I mean, these guys work, these guys and girls work really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's 14 hours a day. Yeah, I know. That, that's, that's a very long time. Very. Uh, but you're right. The truck drivers are one of the people who don't get enough love while we're giving a lot of love. Not that they don't deserve it to the medical industry, but I think these truckers, I mean, because we're talking about ain't enough gloves, ain't enough masks. How you get them? <laughs> you know, how do you get those things? Well, we call up our good friend Tony and uh, his group. They make sure that you guys, they get it out all over the country. So, so thank you for saying that. I really appreciate you speaking up for the uh, truckers uh, because they do need some love. And, uh, and so, and so that's part of your job. It, would that be the best part of your job or is there a better part that you really enjoy? I, I really think the best part I enjoy about my job is uh, we get to build, especially in my department, we get to build that relationship with these carrier companies. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm always, I've always been, a, you know, a phone guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep telling my, my guys, you know, you need to talk, you know, it doesn't have to be about work. Give me a call. <laughs> there you go. I'm, you know, I'm here. But like, you know, the best part is, you, you know, I mean, these, these, these people, you know, they need to survive. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> the stimulus check thing doesn't really help them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, yeah, don't really help anybody, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. 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 Well, that's great, man. I'm glad to hear that, man. I tell you what, I've got a ton of more questions, but but we're kind of up against the wall here. But uh, what I will do is this. I always like to ask this question of all the guests, and uh, that is to be able to uh, each guest. I like to ask them, uh, what's the best advice you've ever received in your life? Can you share that with us real quickly before we get out of here? Um, well, I, 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 I personally do believe this a lot, uh, it's where don't be afraid to admit that you're wrong. I don't understand why it's, I think maybe it's a pride thing. I mean, it has to be a pride thing where a lot of, you know, especially a lot of people in my generation mm -hmm. can't admit that they did something wrong. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, that's some great advice, man. That's great advice. Also, I do have one thing to add, though. So, 
Go when ahead. I turned 18, my stepdad gave me a poem. I think everyone uh, like gave told me to read a poem. He gave it to me. I'm framed up. I oh. think everyone should read this. It's called okay. If by Rud uh, Rudyard Kipling. That will help anyone in life. All right. I'm going to put that on the show notes. Well, we'll be happy to do that. And thanks for sharing that with us, Tony. I really appreciate that, man. Ultimately, Extreme Carolina is committed to you, our listeners, to bring you leaders and newsmakers uh, that are passionate and purpose-driven, like our guest today, Tony, has been. By, by listening to their stories, Extreme Carolina listeners will have an opportunity to refuel, reconnect, and get inspired by unlocking the power of the people. Quote of the week. We like to say a positive quote of the week before we get out of here, Tony. And that is simply this. Also, highly contagious is kindness, patience, love, enthusiasm, and a positive attitude. Don't wait to catch it from others. Be a carrier. <laughs> hey, man. Thank you, Tony, again, for being on Extreme Carolina. We appreciate it. God bless you. You take care, man. And we'll talk to you soon. Mm, yes, okay? sir.